This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Due to the graphic nature of this cult's crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of sexual coercion, rape, murder, castration, and other acts of graphic violence that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. At the age of 10, an Indian boy named Gurdas received the honor of his life. He was handpicked to be part of the illustrious choir of the socio-spiritual organization, Dara Sacha Sada. His voice, they said, could charm the very birds down from the skies. But three years later, that melodious voice started to crack. The leader of the Dara, Gurmeet Ram Rahim, was furious. He didn't want Gurdas to get older. He needed the boy to keep singing. One night, after a particularly torturous practice session, Gourmet invited Gurdas into his home. The teenager was mesmerized by the opulence before him. Fabric spun through with gold, fine smells of sacred incense, and blinking stacks of the latest high-tech equipment. In the next life, this could all be yours, Gourmet promised Gordas. The boy's eyes spun with wonder, taking all the riches in. Then, Gourmet snapped his fingers, and a man appeared, holding a scalpel. He grabbed Gordas and held him down. For the next few minutes, all Gordas could do was scream in horror as he was brutally castrated in front of the smiling cult leader. Now he could sing the high praises of Gourmet Ram Rahim forever. Hi, I'm Greg Polson. And I'm Vanessa Richardson. And this is Cults, a ParCast original. Every Tuesday, we look at a cult's practices, their leader and their followers. You can find all episodes of Cults and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Cults for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Cults in the search bar. At Parcast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. 
Last week, we covered the early years of Gurmeet Ram Rahim's life, his background, connection to organized crime, and how he transformed from a high school dropout to the leader of the Dara Sachasada, a cult with well over 60 million followers. This week, we'll tighten our focus and look at how 35-year-old Gurmeet first ran afoul of the Indian authorities in 2002. We'll also examine how he spurred his followers further down the road of self-destructive fanaticism, eventually leading to his arrest in 2017. The Indian spiritual organization Darasacha Sada began in 1948. It was originally founded to teach the world a specialized form of meditation called Nam Shabad. Over the course of the next few decades, it became recognized for tremendous acts of humanitarian work, providing clean drinking water and communal meals to the impoverished peoples of northern India. Then, in 1990, a charismatic man by the name of Gurmeet Ram Rahim took over the Dara. With the help of militant separatists, Gurmeet effectively hijacked the organization and began to institute sweeping, draconian changes. Eventually, Gurmeet established himself as a living god of the Dara and ordered his congregants to take extremist oaths of loyalty. He weaponized newspapers, daily televised sermons, and even burgeoning social networks to further his reach. By the late 90s, he claimed to have garnered tens of millions of followers, many of whom would die or even kill for their guru. As the ranks of his followers swelled, so did Gourmet's ego. He rabidly pursued international fame, amassed a private army in India for protection, and profited handsomely from the donations extorted from his devotees. To those in the Dara, Gourmet was seen as beyond reproach, but behind closed doors, he was a true monster. In 1999, Gourmet committed one of his most brutal acts. That year, the 32-year-old called a meeting of over 400 male devotees. Without explaining what exactly he wanted, he ordered them all to undergo surgery that would supposedly allow them to be directly in touch with God. The men who agreed were lavished with praise. Those who refused were taken to a room and beaten for days until they finally gave in. The surgery Gourmet wanted was castration, and the operations left the men psychologically and physically vulnerable. Gourmet encouraged their hopelessness. He told them that they had lost their manhood and would be considered outcasts by the rest of society. They were only welcome at the Dara now, and they had a new purpose to convince other men to join them. Gourmet ordered them to tell their fellow followers how close to God they felt, that their worries had vanished as a result of the minor surgery. The castrated men mobilized and soon persuaded many more devotees to undergo the operation. One such brainwashed recruit, Hans Raj, was told to show up to a local hospital and simply say to doctors, I have been blessed. In response, the physicians smiled and offered Hans Raj a drink. He took it nervously, not sure why a few of them were snickering. Halfway through the drink, Hans Raj began to hallucinate. Then he fell unconscious. 
Three days later, he awoke with his private parts swathed in bloodied bandages. He was only 17. His blessing was castration. But these incidents, as horrific as they were, only scratched the surface of Gourmet's brutality. Over the years, he manipulated and browbeat his supporters into bowing to his every whim. Vanessa's going to take over on the psychology here and throughout the episode. Please note, she is not a licensed psychologist or psychiatrist, but she has done a lot of research for this show. Thanks, Greg. Famed British psychologist Wilfred Bione noted in 1959 that groups such as Dara Sacha Sauda rely on a codependent structure to operate. The purpose of the group is to provide physical and emotional security under the protection of a single individual. After the leader begins providing those assurances, they're able to pressure their followers into giving up more and more of their autonomy. In the case of the Dara, Gourmet stripped his followers of their independence by confiscating their lands and homes. While they were relieved of responsibility for their own well-being, they were also relieved of all choice and became entirely dependent on the Dara for their survival. As individuals got used to passively relying on the group rather than themselves, Gourmet's power grew. He became not only a leader, but also a father figure and even a god. To the outside world, Gourmet hid the worst of his exploitation. The Dara continued to pose as a humanitarian organization. In reality, it did the bare minimum, stealing from members and only providing for their basic needs in return, furnishing the people with poor quality food and water. Even so, the cover allowed Gourmet to largely avoid scrutiny. To those not in the Dara, the guru seemed like he had it all. A legion of followers who loved him, inexhaustible riches, and a benevolent reputation. But this deception couldn't continue forever. In 2002, the public finally glimpsed the real Gourmet, after an anonymous letter was delivered to the Prime Minister of India. Written by Sadvi, essentially a nun of the Dara, it detailed the horrific abuse that occurred behind closed doors at the ashram. The letter revealed that 35-year-old Gourmet was a rapist, alleging that he kept a harem of women who were forced to sexually satisfy him every night. When the news was published in a local newspaper, two of Gourmet's loyal followers gunned down the journalist responsible. The message was clear no one would be allowed to challenge the guru. The reporter's death may have alarmed the local papers, but Indian authorities started looking into the case. In January 2003, the son of the murdered journalist registered an official case against the guru. A few days later, both the Punjab and Haryana high courts launched probes into the sexual exploitations occurring in the Dara. Gurmeet immediately started stymieing the investigations as much as he could. An army of attorneys defended him, overwhelming the court system with complaints, suits, and countersuits. Meanwhile, Gourmet's personal life became murkier and more absurd during the early 2000s. His next moves altered between disturbing and outrageous. Outside of his legal maneuvering, 
It seems Gourmet thought his best defense against the police investigations would be a worldwide charm offensive. He began a long campaign to prove the dare's worth to not only India, but to the rest of the world. Perhaps he thought that with enough followers and power, he could escape the consequences of his actions. But the way he went about building his reputation was truly bizarre. The first thing he did was to contact Guinness and order his followers to break some world records. Under his direction, the Dare organized the world's largest blood donation on December 7, 2003, involving over 15,000 people. The good press that resulted prompted Gurmeet to break his own record another two times over subsequent months. This at least furthered the guru's image as a humanitarian, but his next efforts were considerably stranger. At Gourmet's orders, the Dara also completed the largest finger painting ever and broke the record for most people tossing coins at once. Meanwhile, the guru worked behind the scenes to garner support from politicians. He paid off any public figure he could. With their help, the investigations proceeded at a snail's pace, though Gourmet couldn't get the charges entirely dropped. Once he had a critical mass of political support, it was difficult for anyone to oppose him. After all, with millions of followers, Gourmet controlled an enormous block of the voting populace. If the guru wished it, the people would make it so, and politicians knew that defying the Dara could lose them their elected position. So, despite the high court's probe, Gourmet continued to amass power. He told his followers the legal charges were heretical, a secular challenge to their living God. He encouraged his supporters to fight to protect him at any cost. As his followers grew more passionately defensive of their guru, their votes became easier to manipulate for political leverage. Especially since Gurmeet insisted to his followers that he was only using their voting power to campaign on their behalf. He argued that he was guiding the Dara to vote for a better future. His devotees believed him. To them, the rumors of rape and murder were spun from an oppressive government attempting to stop Gurmeet from fighting for the good of his people. With politicians in his back pocket, and a steady stream of propaganda broadcasting from local television stations, the allegations soon faded from the public consciousness. Though the investigations continued in the background, no one in politics or the media paid them any mind. But Gurmeet's ego wouldn't let him avoid controversy for too long. In May 2007, during a religious ceremony, the 40-year-old dressed in attire that allegedly imitated the last great Sikh guru, Gobind Singh Ji. Not being Sikh himself, many believe that Gourmet appropriated the style of dress in a flagrantly disrespectful fashion. When photos of the outfit emerged, the Sikh community was outraged. According to Sikh tradition, it's forbidden to impersonate the gurus. In one fell swoop, Gourmet had not only insulted a religious minority, but had also defiled some of the most sacred tenets of the religion. The incident sparked six days of sectarian violence in northern India. Sikh protesters came to blows with members of the Dara as authorities struggled to contain the riots. By the time the smoke cleared, the conflict had caused over a hundred injuries and at least one death. 
Even after the violence stopped, Sikh activists blocked railways and roads, demanding Gurmeet's arrest. Effigies of him were hung high in cities across the subcontinent. The gruesome spectacle would prove to be an eerie preview for Gurmeet's future crimes. For in a courtroom nearby, the first rape case against the guru was about to be heard. Coming up, Gourmet gets his first day in court. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And now back to the story. In 2007, the Indian Baba, 40 year old Gurmeet Ram Rahim, drew fire from the local Sikh community after dressing in the attire of a famous guru. The conflict led to six days of riots as Sikhs faced off with members of Gurmeet's organization, the Dara Sacha Sada. To his followers, Gurmeet was seen as an infallible saint. But underneath his jovial, bearded face, there lurked a dark presence, one that would do whatever it took to hang on to power. Just one month after the sectarian violence against the Sikhs, Gurmeet suffered two more blows to his public standing. The first was on June 20, 2007. That day, an arrest warrant was issued by the local authorities, alleging that his imitation of the Sikh guru was considered blasphemous. The second, also in June, would prove far more disastrous. In an Ambala court, a charge sheet was formally filed, alleging the sexual exploitation of two sadvis, or nuns of the Dara, between 1999 and 2001. Usually, charges like that would result in the accused being placed under arrest immediately. But thanks to Gourmet's political influence, he was allowed to post bail and avoid jail time. But though he was out of prison, Gourmet was still in danger. In July of 2007, he was attacked by a mob during a standoff between the Dara and protesting Sikhs. He escaped unharmed, but officials at the scene later said he'd been aggravating the situation and inciting further violence. The strain between the sects finally came to a head on February 2, 2008. Still embroiled in hostilities with the Sikh clergy, 41-year-old Gurmeet was traveling via motorcade through the town of Karnal when he was attacked. As the guru passed through a large crowd, a group of men tossed a tire packed with explosives at one of his cars. Instantly, it burst into flames. While six of Gurmeet's security men were harmed in the blast, the guru again escaped without injury. 
After this latest incident, Gurmeet was placed under Z-plus security, the highest level in the nation of India, usually reserved for premier political or cultural figures. The placement underscored his status as one of the elite members of Indian society. But even with death threats multiplying by the day, Gurmeet was not a man to rest on his laurels. In fact, he may have been emboldened by all the extra security. Apparently, the pressure of the legal charges and the sectarian conflict only intensified his penchant for strange, even manic behavior. Finding that legions of followers and a private army weren't enough to satisfy him, Gurmeet began to collect expensive sports cars and scads of Harley-Davidson motorcycles. His dress became somehow more extravagant, and often his followers would attempt to wear similar clothes in devoted imitation. His antics continued even as he was formally charged with counts of rape and criminal intimidation in September 2008. Once again, he was led out on bail, allowed to continue amassing riches and exploiting his female devotees. However, the charges did finally prompt the press to report on the guru's rampant hypocrisy. For instance, though he claimed a life of celibacy, local papers pointed out that the guru had a wife and children in his residence at the Dara. The scrutiny may have been too little too late. Ultimately, the exposés did little to change the minds of his followers. As journalist Shashi Taru wrote around the time, people who were willing to lend their wives and daughters to their guru for the sake of the security he offered could not understand why the same blessing extended to the two girls should land him in jail. In his mind, Gourmet was untouchable. In 2009, the 42-year-old even began to have an open affair with the daughter-in-law of a high-ranking Dara official. Under the guise of adoption, Gourmet took the woman named Honeypreet into his home and called her his new daughter. To Honeypreet's family, the Guptas, it was kidnapping. According to the reporter Anurag Tripathi, when the family attempted to retrieve their daughter from the Dara, they were soundly rebuffed. Gurmeet continued to flout his relationship with Honeypreet for two more years. Then, in July 2011, he ordered Honeypreet's husband, Vishvas, to divorce her. Gurmeet wanted everyone to know he'd stolen the wife of his follower. After being threatened, Vishvas eventually agreed to sign the papers in return for the money his family had given the Dara over the years. Gurmeet refused to compromise. Allegedly, the guru was so enraged by the demand that he even ordered the murder of Vishvas's entire family and told his guard to make their deaths look like a suicide. The plan was never carried out, but an orchestrated stalking and harassment campaign of the Guptas was set into motion. When Vishvas went to the media to air his grievances, Gurmeet hit back even harder. Through Honeypreet, he filed multiple lawsuits against Vishvas and the Gupta family, alleging everything from dowry harassment to domestic abuse. Vishvas managed to fight many of the suits, but was eventually sent to prison for forgery and check fraud that Gourmet had orchestrated. He soon received a threatening call informing him that the guru was planning to do away with him while he was in jail. Vishvas only survived the plot through a stroke of luck after a high-profile prisoner heard about the plan and stepped in to save his life. 
For the next three years, Vishvas and his family continued to suffer Gurmeet's wrath. Finally, his father successfully pleaded with the guru in 2014. Gurmeet agreed to stop the harassment on two conditions. The first was that Vishvas had to publicly apologize for besmirching his reputation. The second was that the entire family had to relinquish their assets, including their personal home, to the Dara. Vishvas dutifully recited a tearful apology to Gurmeet, surrendered his father's property to the Dara, and signed papers divorcing Honeypreet. Within a few months, the slew of cases against his family was dropped. The past few years, which had ruined the lives of Vishvas and his family, had been nothing but a grand show of force by Gurmeet. He liked to watch the family squirm, but eventually he'd gotten bored. After Vishvas was finally dealt with, he turned his attention to other matters. It was time to beef up his propaganda machine again and introduce the world to Gourmet Ram Rahim, movie star. Gourmet's Twitter account, set up in 2014, shows a 44-year-old man steeped in delusions of grandeur. Under his bio, it reads, spiritual saint, philanthropist, versatile singer, all-rounder sportsperson, film director, actor, art director, music director, writer, lyricist, autobiographer, director of photography. Apparently, Gourmet thought he could do it all. He even began to go by a new name, rebranding himself as MSG, or the Messenger of God. The movie Gourmet wrote, directed, starred in, and produced at the same time, entitled MSG, was a catastrophe that was panned by critics. The trailer provides a taste of just how deep Gourmet's narcissism went. In it, he's surrounded by a crowd of thousands of people. Then he's born from a block of ice. He punches a tree which disintegrates into toothpicks. He seems to be a man on a mission to punch bad guys and save the world from the vices of drinking and drugs. Oh, and he literally walks on air. In hindsight, the rebranding was perhaps just another distraction from the battle he was fighting behind the scenes. The same year the three-hour and 11-minute epic MSG was filmed, Gourmet was forced to appear in front of a Panchkula court. He pled not guilty to the rape charges, arguing that he was unable, mentally or physically, to engage in sexual intercourse. But despite his protests, it was clear he felt the walls around him closing in. Especially since around the same time, a murder charge was added to his list of legal troubles. Gourmet would finally have to answer for the death of the journalist who published the anonymous letter back in 2002. In response, Gourmet threw up more legal roadblocks, ensuring that his day in court wouldn't come for years. Meanwhile, the eccentric guru became more reckless than ever before, fighting hard to preserve his image. He started organizing rock music concerts to perform a new style of music he called religious rock. He produced movies at a rapid clip, making an entire trilogy of MSG films in a few years. In later episodes, he punched out an elephant, raised a mountain, and accomplished bizarre feats designed to make him appear divine. 
all the time, his concerts and stage shows at the Dera got wilder, and his persona got louder. More gold, more private helicopters. In addition, he had his devotees double down on their humanitarian work. They eagerly dispersed across India to help with disaster aid, drug awareness campaigns, and relief for victims of sex trafficking. But all the smoke and mirrors only served to keep his followers distracted. The media had finally seen through Gourmet's act, and several journalists located former Sadvis who exposed the guru for what he was. The Sadvis claimed that Gourmet had built a caved-themed palatial home, meant to resemble the caves where the great gurus of the past had found enlightenment. In the caves, he made his female devotees surrender their bodies, before marrying them off to his loyal male devotees, all of whom mindlessly followed his orders. The accusations were similar to those in the anonymous letter published back in 2002. But now, even darker aspects came to light. Apparently, Gourmet called the mass rapes mafis, an Urdu word for the act of pardon. He truly believed that by forcing himself on others, he was giving them a blessing. His tactics worked to psychosexually condition his followers. Cult theorist Yanya Lalich writes that the power a cult leader has over another person increases as the demands become more intimate, especially sexually. The more a group dictates the sex lives of its members, the more control a leader tends to have over them. Gurmeet told his female devotees that an intimate relationship with an enlightened guru meant they were close to a state of godliness. But in the end, it was all a type of demented loyalty test in which the sadvi had to cede her body in order to be seen as pure by the guru and the dara. Then, in December of 2014, details about Gourmet's mass castrations were finally published. It became clear that his female followers weren't the only ones forced to endure such horrifying loyalty tests. At that time, at least 400 cases of forced castration had been identified. Gourmet left behind an army of victims, but soon he'd be forced to pay for it. Coming up, Gourmet is finally punished. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. With Capella University's FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines, learn at your pace, and access most coursework from anywhere at any time. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. And now, the conclusion to the story. For decades, Gourmet Ram Rahim posed as a humanitarian leader of the Dara Satchasada, while psychologically, sexually, and physically abusing legions of his followers. Finally, in 2017, after years of legal delays, the 50-year-old faced the consequences of his actions. 
In July of that year, a special court of the Indian Central Bureau of Investigation ordered hearings into allegations that the guru had raped his female devotees. It had been 15 years since the first sexual assault allegations were published in a local newspaper. Apparently, Gurmeet's attorneys had run out of tactics to stall the investigation. Now, he would have to answer for his crimes. The tension in the air was rife as Gurmeet was led into the courthouse, surrounded by fanatical supporters. Prosecutors argued their case through all of July and August. Every day, members of the Dara protested and disrupted the proceedings. Reporters said it felt like a war zone. On August 17th, the two sides concluded their arguments. National security forces were placed on alert throughout northern India, and the judge declared that he would have his verdict ready by August 25th. When the day finally came, Gurmeet Ram Rahim was found guilty of rape. Within minutes, Panchkula, India was embroiled in riots. The Guru's followers swarmed local authorities, launching Molotov cocktails and vandalizing buildings. The jail where Gurmeet was being held was surrounded by paramilitary forces, prepared for a deadly standoff. By the next morning, at least 41 people had been killed, and more than 300 were injured, and many more were arrested. It was later found that Gurmeet had orchestrated the riot prior to his incarceration. He'd urged his followers to kill anyone that stood in the way of his freedom. Apparently, he believed that if he was found guilty, everyone should have to pay. Unfortunately, this kind of violence is not uncommon when cult members are brainwashed by such a tyrannical and manipulative leader. Dr. Alexandra Stein, a social psychologist, writes that when the life of a cult member is suddenly uprooted, they often cling to their beliefs even more fervently than before. Jailing Gurmeet Ram Rahim meant a complete disruption to the lives of millions of the Dara. Since the guru provided their access to goods and services, removing him also took away their livelihoods. The resulting fear quickly morphed into rage and led to violence. The danger meant that Gurmeet's judge had to fly to the prison where he was being held three days after the riots. There, on August 28, 2017, he could deliver the guru's sentence in relative safety, away from the courthouse. While Gurmeet sat watching, sullen and shackled, the judge sentenced him to 20 years in jail, 10 years for each of the two counts of rape. Sources present at the sentencing reported that Gurmeet appeared to be a broken man that day. As the sentence was pronounced, he burst into tears and begged for forgiveness. Afterward, he sank to the floor and refused to budge, screaming that he had been framed. Authorities eventually managed to drag him to his feet. Afterward, the Baba of Bling, stripped of his regalia, became known only as prisoner number 1997. A former Dara member on Twitter remarked of that day, look how all the members that day carried weapons and not sweets. They knew the truth. They knew their guru wasn't an innocent man. Typically, that would be the end of a cult leader, but karma and the legal system were not yet done with Gourmet. 
Speaking at a press conference days after Gurmeet's sentencing in 2017, the murdered journalist's son, Anshul, reminded the public that his father's death had been a direct result of his decision to publish the anonymous letter. He would soon be proven right. In August of 2018, a former driver of Gurmeet, Kata Singh, was formally deposed in the case of the murdered journalist. After hearing his testimony, additional charges were filed against Gurmeet and three of his disciples. In January of 2019, all four were asked to appear before the CBI Special Court. Because he was in prison, Gourmet appeared via teleconferencing. The years in jail had taken their toll. Gourmet was thinner, his eyes had lost their luster, and his voice was missing its boyish lilt and feverish pace. He was beaten. The same judge who had pronounced him guilty two years prior, Jagdeep Singh, sat on the bench. In a matter of moments, all four of the accused were pronounced guilty. Gurmeet's 20-year sentence was now extended. He would be in jail for the rest of his life. Fearing the riots that accompanied his original sentencing for rape, the government implemented precautionary measures. Police and military surrounded the courthouse. Security was deployed all over Sirsa home of the headquarters of the Dara Sachasada. Authorities roamed the streets, checking every nook and cranny for agitators. But not even a single follower had shown up for the trial. The Dara was shattered, and no one dared show their support for Gourmet. In a matter of months, he'd lost the defenses he'd spent years shoring up. Once he was removed from power, the loyal devotees who had followed him for decades disappeared. Their guru had lost his facade as a dedicated humanitarian and holy man. He was a rapist, a murderer, a monster. And that was how he would be remembered. Thanks again for tuning into Cults. We'll be back next Tuesday with another episode. For more information on Gourmet and the Dara Sachasada, amongst the many sources we used, we found Anurag Tripathi's book, Dara Sachasada and Gourmet Ram Rahim, extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Cults and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite podcast originals, like Cults for free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Cults on Spotify, just open the app and type Cults in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. We'll see you next time. Cults was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Cults was written by Drew Moreland, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon, and stars Greg Polson and Vanessa Richardson. Mm-hmm.